welcome to another edition of the IDCA to Infinity Paradigm and Beyond podcast, where we bring in the most recognized faces and thought leaders of the technology industry and have candid discussions on topics pertaining to digital transformation, cloud, data centers, AI, security, infrastructure, general IT, and more. Uh, this time, I am joined by Joe Peterson and Charles Johnson. Um, Joe, and then Charles, why don't you um, say a little bit about yourself, what you're doing today, and... and um, what you're finding exciting. Charles, you please. Most certainly. I, I usually go for ladies first. My name is Charles <laughs> Johnson, and I am the Vice President of Sales Engineering and Solution Architecture for Alert Logic. Uh, I, I am having a lot of fun watching the, the maturation of teams globally uh, move from what we call traditional architectures to more distributed and high, highly scalable architectures and, and helping them actually get uh, all of those applications uh, that they're delivering on behalf of their internal and external customers secure. Uh, it, it's been an amazing ride, uh, both in my career over the last 20 years and certainly the last uh, three and a half at Alert Logic. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. Nice, thanks, Joe. Hi, I'm Joe Peterson. I am the Vice President of Cloud Services for Clarify 360. We're a boutique consultancy. I have been working in the cloud space since 2009, and I completely agree with Charles. We've gone from really baby steps to watching cloud mature, and I think that, you know, we're um, maybe in the preteen years right now. Yeah, I'm not well, sure. I would, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's ironic, and both of you having been around the space for a little while, um, might um, feel the same way I do. But um, I can remember thinking that, um, why aren't we mature? And it's like 2010, 2011, <laughs> right? And, um, and then realizing again in like 2016, starting of 2017, that the market was actually beginning to show signs of maturity. Um, and that maturity is still blossoming. We're still not there, but... Um, uh, it's it's actually really amazing to me that it took a full 10 years from when people first started using uh, S3 instances on um, Amazon to today uh, to get us to the point where I would say a simple majority of the IT population have some common understanding of what um, uh, cloud can mean to them and to the business. And, and that's pretty remarkable, actually, that it took 10 years. Yes. So, you know... Uh, Today's topic is, is almost all around um, security and security in the cloud. And um, the, the two of you obviously have significant experience there. And I think it's a really important topic for a number of reasons. And, and some of those reasons we talked about before we even started the podcast. But um, I just want to say, you know, for those listening, that um, uh, I'm excited about this particular discussion because I feel like um, this will help someone put uh, a little bit of a wrapper. It may not be a full wrapper. It may not be ready to give to your to your loved one as an an anniversary gift wrapper, but it's um, it's a, a little bit of a wrapper around the idea of what it means to um, actually own the idea of security and the capabilities associated um, in the cloud world. And um, too many of us get little bits of what we think cloud security is or could be about what ownership uh, for ourselves, what responsibility for ourselves and our organization means versus the, um, the vendor or the partners in between. Uh, and I think this conversation will go a long way towards helping in some of those discussions. So again, uh, Joe and Charles, uh, thanks for joining. Thank you. Thanks for having us. 
Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. So, you know, question one, um, uh, Charles, let's start with you. What's your working definition of cloud security? I would say the working definition would have to be uh, understanding that there is infrastructure that you're leveraging to execute your business, but that infrastructure uh, is basically something that remains outside of your physical control. Um, so we're all very familiar with having data centers on premise. We're all very familiar with having data centers in, you know, co-located facilities. And this is the next step um, in that sort of maturing process, getting that in, in, a, in a highly scalable environment. But the, the trade-off for having that highly scalable environment means that you don't physically control the assets um, with which you leverage to, to deliver your business. Um, so when, when, I, we, when we define cloud, as something that that's something that you, that's really outside of your control, you also have to look at security as augmenting your internal and external business practices uh, to make sure that you are uh, limiting risk in, in that very different environment. That makes a lot of sense, uh, Joe. What would you add to that? See, I guess in my brain, I think of it as a racy document, right? And I I see it as a framework, and I see you know sort of takes and put, right? So Who's responsible for what? You've got to have as an organization and as an enterprise, you've got to have your own sets of policies, technologies, and controls that you've got in place and deployed to protect your data and your applications and your associated infrastructure. You just can't set it and forget it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, great points. And so, you know, moving on, um, uh, from that theory and, and having to carry the idea of, um, of understanding uh, what your res security res responsibilities remain to be in this new um, environment, who in the organization is responsible for cloud security? I mean, um, uh, Joe, let's start with you this time. You know, how do you see um, uh, the traditional roles fitting or do we need someone new assigned? See, that's, that's kind of a tricky question, and I think it's still a work in progress, and companies are sorting it out. So here's what I've come to, and I don't know what Charles has got to say, but the CISO is a trusted peer of the CIO, but still reports to the CIO, right? So ultimately, the cloud security buck stops with the CIO. Yeah. I, I understand why Joe would say that, and this is going to be <laughs> one of the few times that I would disagree. Okay. Uh, that, that is definitely the way it plays out on the org chart. But functionally, uh, what we've seen, especially in, in cloud practices, is that the purview of the CIO um, tends not to really span um, over all the business units in a functional way. And we see this in the form of, you know, developers coming in with the marketing team, for example, to build out a new website uh, for, for a strategy that they're gonna go to market with very soon. They're gonna do that very rapidly. And the CIO is, is largely unaware of the strokes that are associated with that. And, and, and it's one of the reasons why I say it has to be the CEO. At some point, somebody has to take ultimate responsibility for the state of that organization, the risk, the, the revenue, and, and all of the fallout associated with making poor decisions for, for all of the department has associated with, with, um, with that organization. That has to be the CEO. Uh, 
Um, I think what we're going to see increasingly is that boards are becoming more aware because of the risk associated with their investments um, are going to be holding the CEO more accountable um, for the decisions. Now, I think functionally, you still will see the CIO have lots of that responsibility, but I don't think there's a way that CEOs can escape um, owning uh, at least the business portion of the risk associated with cybersecurity. Yeah, and I, I uh, truthfully, I think I, I um, mostly agree with both of you, and and maybe have um, uh, you know a slightly different take. But uh, you guys are are definitely the experts as compared to me. And I would only caution that, um, in general, uh, you know the the almost any organization can be made to work, right? And um, many of us have seen that in uh, our our IT organizations or in any other organization. You can make any organizational des- design work. It's just about how much of the care and feeding is there, and whether or not you have uh, or how much care and feeding is needed, and whether or not you have the right um, responsibilities and uh, you know results outlined, so that you can uh, uh, point the stick, as it were, as much as you know. We generally try not to use the stick any more than we have to, and use the carrot as much as possible. But you have to be able to point the stick at someone, right? And and coming from my um, side of the um, equation the data center where i've spent so much more time than specifically on security i've had security report to me a a couple of times but coming from the data center side um you know a similar problem is that the vast majority of it organizations today um might have a data center but there's actually no one person in the organization that is responsible for everything data center the the cio thinks he or she is responsible for what happens inside the data center the facilities team thinks they're responsible for what happens on the outside of the data center and finance is independent and corporate sustainability is independent and so on and so forth. And, and, um, and that creates problems for the ability to measure. And, and I think to measure and, 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 and monitor for efficiency and um, business appropriate spend, et cetera. And I think uh, that um, ownership needs to be outlined for security one way or the other in the organization. And, and I, I would probably lean towards the idea that whether it fell under the CIO's uh, overall umbrella or not, that in the end, um, like finances, um, uh, when the CEO signs off on something um, that is um, uh, SOX regulated, uh, he's basically saying that this is correct and I'm putting my signature to that effect. And I think that same rule probably applies to security as well, or should anyway. So, you know, when you think about um, uh, how this concern over data exposure made cloud security a priority, um, you guys can feel free to relate it back to the previous question if you want or answer it however you see is appropriate. Um, You know, how do we handle that? How do do we think about uh, data exposure and in the the cloud world? And we'll start with Charles this time. Ooh, this 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 one is a sticky one because <laughs> when you look at the terms of service for any cloud provider and, and you could trace that back to even data center providers from co-location facilities for example they rarely ever take responsibility no matter how you leverage their services uh, for the data that's uh, contained within this is um, the same paradigm if you will if you pull into a shopping mall and park in their parking lot um, they say that we're not responsible um, for what happens to your car Right. So that, that sort of model leaves quite a bit of ambiguity um, for people that are leaning on those same providers uh, to provide them with, with a, a fair marketable service. Uh, I, I think when we relate it back to the original question, as you're engaging with those 
uh, organizations, no matter what service they're happening to be providing, you need to make certain that before you execute an agreement, um, it is very clear, uh, going back to, to Joe's comment about Erasy, what they will deliver to you, what they will consult you on, what they will f inform you on, and, and the terms in which they will do that. Um, th this is certainly skewed, especially with the ignorance of most organizations today toward the providers. And we need to make sure that we're doing the due diligence uh, to our, for our external and internal customers to make sure that we're getting everything that we need out of those providers. Right, right. And uh, how do you, what's your take on that, Joe? Well, I, I agree with Charles. When organizations decide to move their data to the cloud, many assume that the responsibility for securing that data moves with it to the cloud provider. And that seems like a fair assumption, but it's just that an assumption. Despite, you know, great guidance from the hypercloud providers, customer negligence is still a thing. Um, four years ago, security firm Rapid7 highlighted the problem in a survey of over 12,000 Amazon S3 buckets. And I thought this was interesting. The research found that almost one in six, one in six were left accessible to the public and that exposed more than 126 million files, many of which yeah. contain sensitive info, right? So everybody's got to be on board. I mean, the cloud yeah. provider responsible. By they set up security on S3 buckets, and guess what? Folks leave them open because it's easier. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's a it is a critical problem, and it's um, not only in in just basic understanding and, and um, acceptance that uh, responsibility can and does fall on both parties. But even when you could um, identify a clear risk uh, as being generated by the, um, the cloud service provider, um, you know, there's, there's absolutely no way that a cloud service provider without some form of um, insurance that would probably make cloud operations too expensive for anyone to use as, as compared to doing it in your own facility. Um, there's no way that they could, you know, if, if for instance, I was running the cloud for, um, eBay or PayPal, it doesn't make any difference, pick any large company. And, um, and I lost operations for that business for a day. And that was an occurrence that could happen to any one of 500 or, or so companies over the course of a calendar year. Imagine what that would mean to profit and loss if I had to actually cover um, perceived loss, assumed loss, due to missed orders or whatever for each of those companies. I mean, the cloud companies wouldn't be able to stay in business. And this is a, a problem that has ex been existing in the, um, in the network space. You know, when you're buying connectivity from level three or, um, or above net or any one of those providers, the same thing applies. I've, I've lost connectivity and, and my businesses uh, that I report to have lost millions of dollars in, in opportunity and uh, I'm, I'll be lucky to get some prorated value of my month's um, cost of networking back, mm -hmm. right? And so that, those kind of SLA returns are meaningless, really, in the long run, in, in anything other than, um, you know, something that, that attempts to keep the vendor honest. But again, you know, this is something that you have to go into um, with eyes wide open, right? And you, and you have to make plans uh, in order to, to safeguard your company the best way you can. And, and, and keep in mind that generically speaking, you're probably more likely to have that security threat occur on your own property um, than you are uh, if you're doing things correctly to have that same security threat occur with a cloud provider. Right, I agree. Yeah. So 
you know, going to the next step, uh, has the, you know, has the challenge become one of balance, balancing the organization's need for agility, you know, while improving security of applications and securing the data as it moves between various clouds? I mean, how, how do we balance that, um, Charles? I, I think what we need to get to is a point of recognizing that we need to protect two things uh, for cloud security. One is data. We need to make sure that we have governance at every stage of usage around governance of data. And, and that will basically determine how you build out um, your application and the infrastructure that goes around with that. Um, in kind, we also need to make sure that we're protecting identity. And I think that that's really the, the next wave of, of marketing and buzz. We've gone through the AI and machine learning uh, waves of, 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 of noise from the market. And identity, I think, is really the next frontier. Uh, yeah. Because the only way that you can truly protect uh, data, no matter who's using it or where it happens to be, is to make sure that you understand the ID of the person that's actually accessing um, the, that unit of data. And those two things together, I think, are, are really where we need to focus. It's really going to help justify spend, and it's really going to help us identify where our weaknesses are moving forward. Right, right. And, and uh, Joe, I'd love to get your uh, feedback on that as well. But uh, it sounds to me, I, I, I might have misheard, Charles, but it sounds to me like you said blockchain, 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 blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> is that what you heard, too? Uh, no, I didn't hear that. I heard something else. <laughs> All right. Sorry. But sorry, Joe. Just uh, just kidding. But go ahead. How about what's your take on on that question? Well, I, I you know, I'm starting to see um, a couple things happen in tandem. And I agree with Charles, right, that we're in a situation where it's just dawning on folks. Why is it just dawning on them? I don't know. But it's just dawning on them that, hey, we're borderless. And that means that, you know, because we've changed, we've gone to the cloud, our security posture has changed because it's changed things, how we address things, right? So we're starting to see folks get the idea of, oh, hey, I need some stuff in place. Like I need identity and access management because I didn't have that before. And I need endpoint security. So you're starting to see elements getting hardened right around the cloud which is great and then you're also seeing teams start to think about well hey maybe we need a devops security guy because it's not okay to put the security the bow on security after we got to think about you know sort of baking in the chocolate chips to the recipe right yeah um and then thirdly from the security vendors you know they've realized that folks are using multi-cloud and you're seeing security firms starting to pitch centralized management schemes as a way of reducing complexity and then addressing the disconnect that's going on around securing the data. So you've kind of got three things happening at once. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And it obviously um, highlights the point of the initial reason for this conversation is that this is a complex issue. It requires a lot of uh, thought. And I, I like the the theme of, of the answer, too, in the sense that... Um, uh, you know, uh, so many of us, when we have discussions about security, talk about it, um, uh, talk about the, the what we believe is the risk in the environment, that people think of security as a bolt-on rather than something that should be built from ground up. And and I, I think uh, if I read you correctly, Joe, that's kind of what you're saying, right, is that uh, this is not right. 
not something that you can just bolt on after the fact. You don't go um, buy a bunch of stuff and then say, how do I apply to security? So right. great. That's a great answer. Um, so you know, let's talk about the different types of clouds and, and, um, and how that type of, how the type of cloud affects your responsibility, right? I mean, so um, uh, uh, this could be any number of, of cloud platforms. It could be from an, you know, an internal cloud, external cloud, a cloud that you're using for one specific business process uh, or compliance need, or it could be a cloud that is actually, doesn't really matter that it's a cloud, but you're using cloud because it's offering you uh, some form of SaaS solution. Um, Charles, uh, you know, how do you, um, how do you see that? I think we've, we've become very mature at handling private uh, uh, clouds, if you will, if, if we're going to use that as our, our base moniker for that. Um, our ability to manage uh, what comes in and goes out of, of data centers and co-location facilities is quite mature. Uh, I think, though, that the challenge that we have is that we haven't been able to get those same controls because we can't control um, the physical space inside of the public cloud. So th there's, a, there's a very natural difference between the two there. Um, I think that the the real thing that people haven't gotten their brains wrapped around is the difference between infrastructure and, and platform as a service. And, and really, when, when we talk about AWS or Microsoft Azure uh, with, with the virtual machines and things like that, we're, we're really looking at um, a mix of both infrastructure and platform. And the best developers are actually going to side toward the platform because there's a lower cost operationally associated with that, and there's higher scale associated with that. So it, we, there's, there's a piece there, and, the, and then there's also sort of this back office, if you will, you know, or our office in general, um, usage of the cloud where um, you have Office 365 and you have identity management via Azure, um, which comes at a very different layer, still a platform, but not managed in, in much the same way as the, as the other two services. So there really has to be a baseline of understanding for what you're actually consuming, before you really define which of the clouds that you're actually offering. But I, I think that if, if you look at that, um, there's actually a, a myriad of ways that people are consuming services that they don't manage themselves. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. Joe, what's your take on that? Man, I went to the whiteboard on this one. It was a great question. And then what I ended up with was exactly what Charles said. I ended up with sort of like a diagram of where stuff crossed over and then who owned it. And I got to tell you, I walked away looking at the thing going, man, okay, so who exactly does own the security around Office 365? Because it's a Microsoft product, but it's not owned by the, you know, infrastructure team. I mean, who is owning that, right? So I was confused when I walked away because this stuff gets managed by different groups in the organization. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's very problematic. Wow. Um, I wish there were easy answers to some of these things. I, I think the easy answer will always come in uh, with expertise on the team. And, yeah. you know, much for what the infinity paradigm sort of works to address is that there's always tribal knowledge associated with these organizations. And there tends to be one or two guys who are really strong and, and serves uh, to point toward the North Star for um, making sure that things are configured and secured properly. Uh, right. Well, you know, that makes sense. And I appreciate you, I appreciate yeah. you bringing up the, in, the infinity paradigm. I mean, um, 
Uh, and, you know, really quickly, just a question for both of you. And uh, Charles, since you brought it up, I'll start with you. I mean, do you see the complexity of, of uh, you know, modern IT ownership that includes things like multi-cloud and, and distributed um, data sets and, uh, you know, complex partner relationships, um, you know, a combination of SaaS-delivered apps and custom apps and um, rapidly changing business models as a time where something like the infinity paradigm is more important than ever? Uh, for certain. I, I, I grew up in a time where the ITSM was sort of your rule for most mature organizations. And, and even that as a rule is broken uh, with this hybrid state that we're all uh, basically working to govern. Um, the, the paradigm does address that in a way that makes sense, but I think you really need to take a step back and, and you know, hold no sacred cows, if you will, um, as you're working to implement the paradigm in full. I, I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and Joe, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think what the paradigm does is I went through it. First, it was super well laid out, but I thought, you know, here's something that you could give to a CEO or a CIO as sort of a roadmap to follow. And how empowering and powerful is that? You know, it, it just it just addressed everything and it was a playbook. I yeah, thought it was really I, cool. No, I appreciate that. And, and that's, uh, that's kind of how uh, Mehdi, the founder uh, of the organization actually got me on, um, excited about joining was that um, we were having that very discussion about uh, the fact that it's very hard to find a playbook, uh, especially a playbook that isn't just one um, really smart coders idea of the only way to code to solve a particular problem or, or one server builders, um, you know, opinion of the only way to create the architecture for a high performance uh, uh, hardware stack uh, or one data center operators idea of what the best data center is, but rather oh, what's the best of all of those things specifically for your business and what's the right way to own them. Right. And that's, there, there is, there is today no playbook that gets you even one of those categories, let alone all of the categories of ownership that involve the ecosystem of applications that make up IT. And, and so to your point, Joe, I mean, that's really, uh, and Charles, that's really why I jumped on board to try to help with this initiative. So I appreciate the comments. Thank you very much. Um, you know, so uh, I, I'm generally speaking, I'm not um, a huge fan. Uh, I shouldn't say I'm not a huge fan. I'm actually a fan of Gartner, but I, I, um, I use Gartner in ways that Gartner probably wouldn't appreciate. And that's the sense that I find them a trailing indicator more often than a leading indicator. Um, but, you know, in many of their prognostications about how things will play out into the future, uh, many of them have, if not come true, at least been close. And, you know, this next question is that Gartner suggests that through 2020, 95% of cloud security failures will likely be uh, the customer's fault. Um, uh, Charles, what's your take on that? I mean, do you see that as uh, relatively close? I, I'd tell you that it's probably closer to 100. And the only reason why Gardner didn't say 100 is nobody's <laughs> going to believe that's the right. model. Right. It, it, we, we pretty much encapsulated uh, at a high level all of the complexities around managing hybrid architectures. And at the rate of change that we're working through, there's absolutely no way that you can get your arms wrapped around it. So as a trailing indicator, yes, this is probably true, but I think this is probably an indicator that we need to be having this conversation a little bit differently. Charles? Still there? 
Oh, there you go. Now I can hear you. I don't know whether I went out or you went out, but I couldn't hear you for a second. Maybe you could just repeat your last uh, um, comment there real quick. Certainly. I, I, I think that this is probably an indicator that we need to take a look at this conversation a little bit differently. Certainly, if somebody breaks into your house as a homeowner, you can take responsibility for that. But what are the compensating controls that I really need to be implementing? Um, and, and how do I need to govern my business so that I am impervious to attack versus uh, largely susceptible to it? That, that's really the conversation that we need to have versus the, the statistic, if you will, that at one point I definitely will be under attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, anything you'd like to add to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're all wildly aware of the problem, but what's the answer? And I think the answer is training. And I think that a CIO that says, great, we have the cloud. How many of you guys are going to go get trained this year? How many CISSPs do we have on staff? And who wants to go for training for that? Who wants to, you know, what are you doing to prepare your teams to deal with this problem? Because education is power. Knowledge is power. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, uh, I'm, I could add more there, but uh, I'm just uh, wasting our listeners time because I agree <laughs> with both of you. Uh, good stuff. And, you know, so, uh, you know, taking the that complexity of ownership uh, point and, uh, you know, the fact that uh, we all generally agree that some something north of um, 90% of the problems will security problems will likely originate with the customer. Uh, I, I would reiterate for the listeners that a point that um, Joe made about training um, is hugely critical. And this is not just training for the people in your organization that have a hand in affecting your security posture directly, either response to security threats or preparing applications and infrastructure to avoid security threats, but also to the people that are using your environments. Uh, and that, you know, it's a, it's a, a huge missed opportunity in many organizations to just give some form of simple training to um, the average customers to help the average end user to help them avoid uh, creating additional risk for the organization. Um, so, you know, we, we're talking, we talked a lot about the complexity. We talked a little bit about multiple cloud and, and uh, or multi-cloud and, and the fact that uh, um, organizations are getting more complex. How do, how do we, um, or how does, uh, correlating data across multiple clouds, uh, introduction of containers and others, uh, layers of complexity uh, change or add to the security equation. Um, Joe, you want to take that one to start? Yeah, yeah. You know, it made me do a little research, and I found this really cool study that Barracuda Networks released in 2017. They talked to 300 IT decision makers, and the study found that 77% of those polled said that public cloud providers are responsible for securing customer data in the cloud. Meanwhile, 68% of executives said that the cloud providers were responsible for application security. I was kind of surprised um, yeah. that, right? I was yeah, like, yeah. Really? Okay. But it also found that enterprises were using, on average, of three public cloud providers. Um, and I think that the answer becomes... It's sort of that three-way thing that we talked about earlier. It's going to have to be a bit of a change in education on the side of the customer. And it's also going to have to be providers coming to the table and say, look, we're going to help you try to make this a little easier as well. It's going to take everybody getting in, in, the, in the pot and making the soup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles, how would you add to that? So I will tell you that as of the recording, we're very close to Thanksgiving. And, and for me, that marks 
uh, a lot of eating, and it also marked a time <laughs> where we're getting ready to go to AWS reInvent. Yeah. Yep. And the the wonderful thing about being at AWS reInvent is it's a gigantic show. Lots of people show up, and they're looking for um, what's coming next on the bleeding edge, with the promise that um, that that's going to be everything that they need. And that's the theme for every year. Everything that you need is here in AWS. Practically, that's just not true. Yeah. And, and I don't think we'll ever get to a point where you can build your entire business model running on AWS. They would love it, but I don't think it's really true. The, the strength that Google has, for example, on data analytics is never going to be matched by any other provider. The operational strength um, and, and really the business model that, that Microsoft brings with Azure is something that backs offices are always going to enjoy. So you really have to get away from this thinking that there's going to be a one-size-fit-all cloud solution which means that there's never going to be a one-size-fit-all uh, security solution for the cloud. You really need to get back to understanding where your data flows are, what your identities are for those data flows, and making sure that you're spreading that across uh, your, your entire infrastructure. I, th I think that's really the mindset that we need to get to. Training is very important in that because now, instead of running on a single platform where we can get our entire business wrapped around it, I have three. So we, we need to understand that those are tools, very expensive tools, um, but we need to know how to leverage those and secure those appropriately. So uh, if, uh, again, if I'm interpreting you correctly, Charles, it sounds like you said, I can't just go out and buy a security blanket with an AWS label on it and, and lie underneath it and be protected. <laughs> I, <laughs> enjoy what you get from it, um, but I think you might be cold um, yeah. in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right. Um, so uh, by 2018, uh, the estimate is that 60% of enterprises that implement appropriate cloud visibility and control tools will experience one-third fewer security failures. How does, in your mind, you know, both of you, how does um, visibility uh, change the equation? Joe, we'll start with you again. Well, first of all, let me comment on what Charles said last. One of the reasons I enjoy interacting with Charles is he, while he's always respectful, he just doesn't hold back. He, he tells the truth, right? Yep. yep. So, so that's, that's a, a pleasure. Um, I think we're getting better at visibility, right? But, yep. you know, I, I guess I think about it as, and Charles, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts here, but it's like a log file. If you don't know what you're reading, what does it matter? Yes. Yep. 100% yep. correct. Right? It, it, I'll, I'll dig a little bit deeper than that. Let's assume that you understood the context of every log that was generated. From a log file perspective, it's after the fact. So you're always playing catch up. Yep. So that's one. I'll ignore the volume of the log. But there's so many ways that data can be used, and data is always being reused by different entities, whether internal or external. It is almost impossible to stay in front of that from a log perspective, which is why SIM is broken. The visibility that we need is really going to be understanding the normal usage of our data and our platform and then trying to identify very quickly where the deviations from that normal usage are. Yeah. And I think we're getting to a way, and this is a, a pleasant nod toward AWS, I think we're getting to a place where this is possible, 
Um, but it's really going to demand that people understand their own applications a lot better, their own normal usage better, um, and not relying on reactive mechanisms uh, to for visibility. Uh, they, they've really got to get in front of that. And that has to be built into the application itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. No, that's a, a, some great points and um, uh, uh, worth considering for pretty much everyone. So uh, next question, guys. Um, and this might be the, um, the last uh, official um, question before I begin wrapping up, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, according to cybersecurity insiders, the um, biggest threats to cloud security is misconfiguration of cloud platforms as number one. Uh, and this is followed by unauthorized access through misuse of employee credentials and improper access controls, uh, which is like 55%. And then insecure interfaces, uh, 50%. Um, would, do you agree with these statistics? Um, what would you add? Uh, let's start with you, Charles. I, I think I agree with the statistics. Uh, I think what's impossible with, with all of these measures is sort of where the reporting is uh, and, and how much of that is, is truly reportable um, in, in a way that we can run analytics on it. So I, I would caution there. Yep. It, it probably is going to be a little bit higher than that. What I can tell you, though, from, from my purview at Alert Logic, I would say almost nine times out of ten, it's going to be some sort of configuration issue. Whether it's, uh, you know, blatant uh, misconfiguration, as in I, I left security groups open and I, and I was ignorant about that, um, or I'm downloading a dependency in, in my application and, and I didn't do the due diligence to understand what that uh, opened me up to from a vulnerability standpoint. So there, there are a myriad of ways um, for, for that to take place. I think that if anybody's looking forward uh, to getting their arms wrapped around that, don't do it on your own. You, you really do need a strong partner, which is why um, I like playing with Joe, um, to help walk you through where some of those pitfalls are so that you can intelligently get your arms wrapped around um, that risk. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Joe, what would you add to that? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, we're dancing on this, but we're, we're starting to see the enlightened organizations think about security more as a business imperative and less as a tech imperative. And that means that there's got to be some security awareness training and that the company from a top down has to say, yeah, this have is sort of important and everybody needs to be aware of how important this data that we have because it affects lots of things, yeah. including our business revenue, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's uh, this is um, maybe not a little bit off topic, but um, related certainly, and, and you guys can feel free to comment if you want. Um, but the um, one of the single biggest problems that I faced in virtually every organization where I had a major responsibility in IT was, um, in um, information management from um, a corporate uh, um, strategy and, and ownership slash risk uh, um, standpoint. And, it, you know, it's people used to try to buy expensive tools like Documentum and others, almost in no case, except for those cases where literally every step you take is being overlooked by the NSA or the Pentagon or something. Um, did any of the companies, be, were any of the companies able to follow through with matching their ideal to people's daily work effort? And it seems that 
one of the biggest problems we face in security risk introduction and, um, and evaluation of risk in flight is the fact that we as companies often do such a poor job at making determinations of what's valuable, why it's valuable, and how it should be owned and managed at that value level. Do you guys care to comment on that at all? Hey, there, there's an old adage that says best laid plans, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that you have to be realistic about um, sort of your goals. I, I've seen plenty of people spend millions of dollars on, on cybersecurity programs and, and still suffer the embarrassment um, after not setting expectations properly. Uh, I, start small, but start important. Make sure that you understand where uh, the crown jewels are and work backward from there. And, and you'll find maturation um, as you diligently work uh, to protect the most important parts. And I think you'll find success a lot easier that way. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Joe, any, any final word on that? Yeah, I, I agree. It's interesting to me you know, everybody thinks that everybody's going to the cloud and that's just not true, right? Yep. Not true. Yep. And I think about it as, you know, when I sit down with the team and I say, okay, let's, let's look at this application rationalization we want to do. Same thing. Why don't we put things in buckets? They haven't even put things in buckets yet. So to Charles's point, if you don't know what you're going to focus on, why are you spending any money on security at all yep. if you don't have a focus? Right, right. You, right. Need, you need to... You need to define the why and, and what the end result ought to be for that why. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, guys, um, I really appreciate the time today. I mean, this has been enlightening for me, and I hope that uh, um, whoever listens will find it enlightening as well. Uh, this is a critical topic, and we only scratched the surface of the opportunity. Uh, I think all of us were hoping that we would get through um, even more material than we did uh, today. Um, but, again, thank you very much for joining um, I appreciate the time and, and um, you know, with that, folks, I'd like to say that um, uh, please, uh, you know, tune in for the next uh, episode, probably sometime in the middle of uh, December. I don't know the exact date. Uh, we'll have um, uh, Mike Kale, former CIO and current CTO for Everest.org. Uh, and if you'd like to nominate anyone on a future podcast, please email us at podcast at IDC a.org. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, you know, Joe and, and uh, Charles, how do people find you online? Uh, Charles, you first. You can find me most easily at, on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, my name is Charles K. Johnson. And if you uh, look for me, I think it's probably best. There's quite a few of us um, to go to Alert Logic first, um, and, and you'll find me there. Um, happy to reach out. You'll find all of my personal information um, and, and some of my projects there as well. Awesome. And Joe, what about you? I know that people can find you on Twitter. You're you're always pestering me. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah. So find me on Twitter at Digital Cloud Gal. And there's a great group of people that are active around cloud conversations. I'd encourage you to join the conversation. People are from all over the world and have different points of view and, and it's always fresh and current. Yep. Appreciate that. So again, thanks folks. And um, until next time. Okay, sir. Thanks for having us. Take care. Thank you. Bye.